0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Russell. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, if it's your first time here this morning, welcome. I'm glad you're here. If you're joining us online, thank you for being faithful and joining us in that. And if you call Copper Hills Church or home, welcome home. This morning, we are gonna jump in right away to our series of lies that we believe. Now, this is a series of sayings that sound like they're true, maybe even have hints of truth in them, and sometimes even have biblical truth to them. But when we try to live these lies out and we believe them, we find that they end up hurting ourselves and sometimes they end up hurting the people around us. See, it's because when these ideas misdirect us, our lives become unbalanced and they create these negative emotions that we have towards others, but more importantly, that we have towards God. The problem with this is when it directly affects our souls and our eternity. So week two, our second lie that we are going to look at together is this. God will never give you more than you can handle. Raise your hand if you've heard that one. God will never give you more than you can handle. All right, sit tight with me. Uh, Just to start, I want us to look at some well-meaning people in our world that have said something close to this or I've tried to say the same thing, but just in their own words. I think you'll know who some of these people are, but it'll just help us get a better idea of this lie that is being tossed around that sometimes we think is truth. So here's our first person on the screen, Mother Teresa. If you don't know who Mother Teresa is, she is a Catholic nun and missionary who is totally dedicated to serving the poor. This is what she says. I trust that God wouldn't give me more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't have such faith in me. I think some of us can relate to that at times. Here's the second person that you may know. This is Joel Osteen on his Twitter account. Joel Osteen is a televangelist, an author, and pastor in Houston, Texas. Uh, And he says this, God will not give you more than you can handle. If you have a big challenge today, that means you have a big destiny. And he might be trying to be well-meaning here, but really this is terribly misleading because it offers the idea that God will never let us go through difficulties. And I don't know about you, but I go through a lot of difficult things in my life. So the third one is actually not gonna be on the screen. This is more of a person that I think we have all experienced in some way or another. And so the title of this person is Every Christian Ever at Some Point in Your Life. (laughs) Here's what the Every Christian Ever at Some Point in Your Life would say about this. Don't worry. I know it feels like you're going through a lot. I actually know exactly what you're going through. Don't worry because you know what? God will never give you more than you can handle. He's never given me more than I can handle. Now, come on, that one frustrates me. I think people say that though, because they're trying to view God as just this loving God who wouldn't put them through burdens and hardships in their lives. They wanna feel safe, they wanna feel secure. But the problem is that if God doesn't give us more than we can handle, and we're actually able to fix things or heal things or solve things on our own willpower, then when it hits the point in our life that our own willpower fails us and we can't solve or fix or come to conclusions, then we look to God as somebody who's abandoned us. We look to God as the bad guy. We look to us as the person that isn't in the wrong. You see the mindset, this mindset sets people up to see God as somebody who fails them and that's not okay. So I wanna go to probably the most popular verse in the Bible that we often have looked for this lie of God will never give you more than you can handle and thought of it as true. It's based out of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And before we read it, let me set it up for you. If you don't know about 1 Corinthians, it's in the New Testament. It's a letter written to the church of Corinth uh, and it's written by Paul himself. If you don't know who Paul is, Paul was like the lead guy that helped spread Christianity to the nations. When Jesus left earth. He kind of empowered Paul and his disciples, Jesus' disciples. He empowered Paul and his disciples to go and spread Christianity to the whole world. And so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth because the city of Corinth is covered and spread in idolatry and in immorality. And he's trying to encourage and support and offer solutions to the believers of Christ to abstain from this corrupt societal living but to really walk and live with Christ daily. And so this is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Not, he will not forgive you more than you can handle. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he says this, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Two quick things here from 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, First off, God never says that you won't be given more than you can handle. This isn't God talking here. This is Paul writing. Now you can come to the conclusion that Paul might be under the influence of the spirit of God here, but Paul is specifically saying that God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Not that he'll never let you have more than you can handle. You will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. We're gonna get to that in a moment. Because secondly, even if you did want to believe, that God would never give you more than you can handle, then how do you explain all the different stories in the Bible of different people who have got a lot to handle and go through many hardships and difficulties? Let me give you some. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, Moses is trying to follow God's will and God has this plan for Moses that he wants him to lead his people. But Moses says, I'm, I'm not good at speaking. I speak gibberish sometimes. I don't know how to do this. I can't lead these people out of Israel. I'm not, I'm not the one for this. Don't make me lead all on my own. You remember Joseph with a coat of many colors? He had a lot of brothers. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. And then he was banished and imprisoned in a foreign land. How about you? That'd be a lot for me to handle. In the book of Judges, Gideon proclaims that he's the weakest and the least in his family and that there is no way he could do what God is asking him to handle. And then we have David, king of Israel, man after God's own heart, killed Goliath with a slingshot. He writes this in one of his Psalms, verse, chapter 38, verses four and eight. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden that is too heavy to bear. I am exhausted and utterly crushed. I groaned in anguish of heart. It seems like he's got a lot going on. Think about Paul. We just talked about him. He went through immense persecution and suffering to spread Christianity throughout the nations. And we can't forget about Jesus. In Mark 14, verses 33 and 34, we actually get to see that Jesus talks about how he is deeply distressed and deeply overwhelmed because he knows what's coming up, his death, burial, and resurrection all these people that we talked about, they had a lot to handle. And there's so many other stories of many other people with a lot to handle in scripture. But if you kept reading their stories, what you would end up seeing is that God provided a way out for them. And he provided a way for them to stand up in the midst of their temptation. And he still does that today. Now, if God will never give you more than you can handle, but God wants you to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, then we need to kind of talk about the temptation idea here. What does that temptation look like for us, and how can we stand up against it? Well, last week, Brad talked about truth, and he brought up Ephesians 6, which is a great passage of scripture. And so I want to bring that up here today, and he talked about how the devil we'll try to implant these lies and implant these false ideas in our minds and in our hearts while Jesus is really trying to implant truth into our hearts and our minds. And so, in the same way, this passage describes where our temptation comes from in this world. So here's Ephesians 6, verses 12 all the way through 16. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's our temptation. That's the temptation that we're going through. Therefore, he goes on to say, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Paul's saying that our struggle, our temptation, is against evil forces in the heavenly realms. And so our temptation comes from Satan trying to attack our hearts, trying to attack our minds, and trying to attack our souls. You see, when we believe in Jesus, when we accept our lives into Christ's kingdom, then we instantly become an enemy of Satan, an enemy enemy of Satan who is gonna try to do anything that he can to separate us from God, to get us to turn from him and to walk more closely towards sin or walk into sin. Ephesians tells us he does this by shooting flaming arrows at us. Now, we don't have flaming arrows really being shot at us, but think about Satan shooting the arrow of lust at you. Lustful thoughts of men and women that you work with or you go to school with that really aren't your spouse or what you're supposed to be while you're single. The arrows of selfishness where you try to go throughout your whole day just caring about me, just caring about myself, and just caring about I and what I want arrows of anxiousness where we think that we have to control every single thing around us or every single person around us so that we can feel safe in our present moment. But what's the best way to withstand arrows? All right, you're not gonna bring out your helmet off your head and try to whack the arrows out of the sky. You're not gonna unleash your belt and try to whip the arrows out of the sky. No, you're gonna grab a shield and you're gonna hold the shield in front of you and try to protect yourself from the arrows. And so in the same way, God says, take up the shield of faith. Here's what the shield of faith looks like. The shield of faith looks like taking daily practices that align ourselves in dependence on God. Solitude, scripture, prayer, fasting, there's a lot of them. Taking up the shield of faith looks like being a part of a community of believers who can stand with you and for you in the gap of your faith when things get hard to handle. Standing up with the shield of faith looks like knowing that you are not left alone in this world, but that God is with you and he is for you. Because in this world, Satan is going to attack us with insults, with hardships and temptations. And these attacks can feel like a lot to handle at different times in our lives. But once again, God provides a way out in our temptation. And he wants us to stand up against it by holding up the shield of faith. Now, If it's not that God would never give us more than we can handle, then why is it that maybe God would give us more than we can handle? It's a question that I've wrestled with. I think some of you might wrestle with as well. Well, I think it's two things. The first, I think sometimes God gives us more than we can handle so that we would turn to him in everything that we do. This might be a little gut check for a lot of us, but... um, Have you ever noticed that when you're on like your highs of highs, when you're on the peaks, when you're on the mountaintops and you're feeling really good about yourself and there's not a lot of problems going on in your life, how easy is it not to notice and turn to God? Raise your hand. I don't think I'm the only one. I know there's probably a lot of us. There's just something about when things are going great, we don't feel the urgent need for God in our lives. But man, when things start to go downhill and it feels crazy and it feels like we're losing control and I'm in pain and I can't handle this anymore, it's like, oh my gosh, God, I need you. God, help me. God, where are you? God, ah! We forget that in the middle of these storms, who God is, and we start to wonder who God is. We wonder if he's really with us, if he's really powerful, if he really answers our prayers. And so in these blowing winds of life and these crashing waves of life, we start to doubt who our God is. See, for some of us, I think that we don't turn to him. We turn away from him and away from who he is in these moments. And I think that we do that because we doubt that in the presence of a storm, there is still the presence of God. We doubt that in the presence of a storm, there is still the presence of God. However, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. If God never gave us more than we can handle, then we wouldn't need God. We would be fine all on our own. We would never need to turn to Him. But even in the storms, even when it feels like a lot to handle, God remains faithful. So the question that we need to be asking ourselves is are we remaining faithful to God in the storms? Are you turning to Him when it feels like there's a lot to handle in this world? Secondly, If God might give us more than we can handle, I think it's because he wants us to experience him in everything that we do. There's no stronger way to experience the power and the presence of God than we can come back to who we really are in this world. And that's why I think we love a good origin story movie. Raise your hands if you like movies, okay? Well, in origin story movies, you have the hero. You get to see about the heroes past, you get to see about where the hero is now, and you get to find out where the hero is going in the future. Because in these movies, our hero, most likely, if you're watching the same movies that I am, goes from a nobody to a somebody. But we miss something that often happens. In these origin stories, something happens to our hero. The hero gets to this massive, popular figure where they have fame and wealth and power, and they end up come crashing down to earth because of a failure to live up to the hype. Maybe they lost a battle to their nemesis or to the enemy. Maybe somebody died on their watch and it's their mistake and their fault. Maybe they couldn't live up to what everybody expected them to be and they didn't want that for their life. But either way, our hero, when they come crashing down to earth, their weaknesses is shown. Their failure is for everybody to see their flaw has been compromised. But typically, in these movies, once their failure and their flaws and their weaknesses are on full display for everybody to see, our hero rises up from the ashes, saves the day, defeats the enemy, wins the guy or girl, and becomes the most popular person and is who they were meant to be. You see, you and I think that's what it's supposed to look like for our life. And at a way it is, but not fully. It is about who you are in reality. It is about who you are, but more than who you are, it's about whose you are. It's about whose you are at your core. And I think Paul does a really good job explaining this idea of who you are and of whose you are in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. This is God talking to Paul, and God says this, "'My grace is sufficient for you, for my power.'" God's power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Guys, I don't know about many of you, but I don't like see myself or my neighbors going running down my street saying, "Hey, I'm worthless. Hey, I stink." I don't have people I work with here at the church like, man, I am not good today. Man, life sucks. Man, I hate today. No, but Paul is saying that we delight in these weaknesses. We delight when we're weak. We delight in our insults and our hardships and our persecutions and our difficulties. Why do we do that? For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, God wants us to know that we are weak on our own, but can be made strong in his presence. When we don't have what it takes to handle what life throws at us, we can actually tap into the power of God and understand. When we delight in the things that become too hard to handle in our life, then the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives and dwells in us. We experience the power and the presence of God in our weaknesses. Let me relate a little bit to you guys uh, as you know, I'm a youth pastor here and man, I can tell you my weaknesses come out on full display with my junior high and my high school students more than ever. I'm 25 years old, but it's not that hard to tell that I don't look like I'm 25. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to giggle. I'm okay with it now. I've, i am good. But about once a month at youth group, I end up meeting some new kids and I love meeting our new junior high and high school students. I want to be one of the first ones to say hi to them or one of the last ones to sign them at the end of the night. So I go up and I introduce them. Hi, I'm Russell. Nice to meet you. What's your name? And they tell me their name. But nine times out of ten, one of these two phrases is said right afterwards. Oh, cool. Nice to meet you. So who's the youth pastor here? Or, oh, cool. Nice to meet you. Where, where's the youth pastor? I don't, I don't see who, who they are. And I'm like, it's me. It's me. I, I'm the youth pastor. Oh. Another thing. <laughs> I have a tendency uh, to really mess up on my words. It might sound like gibberish sometimes. I have a wanting to say it this way, but it just comes across the wrong way. If you want ideas, you can talk to my wife. She'd love to tell you about what those things are. But with high school and junior high students, it's like jumping into a lake of piranhas, guys. They will eat you up they will spit you out and they will make sure that you know how dumb you sounded because you just messed up on that word and that they would never mess up on those words ever. No, they're perfect. <laughs> My weaknesses come on full display in student ministry. But at the same time, being a youth pastor can be a lot to handle too. There's the stereotypes of youth pastors where all we do is order pizzas and play crazy games and have a 10 minute prepared Bible study. That's, that's not true that's not the case. I try really hard to be intentional with my kids. I try to meet them where they're at. I'll take them out for lunch. We'll go to their school games. We'll go to their plays. We'll have conversations. Man, a lot of them even just come into the church office from 3 to 5 p.m. And I'm like, sweet, I get to work now. But we have hard conversations. There's conversations that I don't really always feel prepared like I can answer. Conversations like, why are my parents getting a divorce? Why are my parents always fighting on the time? It doesn't seem like they love each other anymore. Conversations like, what is up with this world and our sexuality? There's so many people changing. There's so many people doing things that I thought I wasn't supposed to do. But why is that okay? I don't feel like I am loved or cared for by anybody. In fact, when I go to school, I get bullied. I get made fun of. They call me names. They ask questions about God and they say, man, why does bad things happen to good people? How could God allow that? But there are some hard conversations. I don't always feel prepared to have them. I don't always feel like I know the answers to these conversations. I don't always feel qualified for what we have to talk about. And on top of trying to care for these students and their real authentic questions, I also have my own personal life where I have a wife that I want to spend intentional time with and give my emotional energy to. I have family that lives in town and I want to connect with them more on a regular basis. I have friends that I actually enjoy hanging out with and I'm trying to lead them to Jesus at the same time. I even have my own personal relationship with God that I'm trying to work on because I want to be better with Jesus. All of this can feel like a lot to handle at times in my life. But we're not alone. You see, it's a lie to believe that God will never give you more than you can handle because God will always provide a way out for you. And he wants you to experience his presence and he wants you to turn to him in everything you do. That's why people don't set out to build their faith upon these spiritual myths. But somehow, lies will show up in many of our lives. And there are these misguided beliefs and these misguided ideas that are assumed to be rock-solid truth until they fail us and they prove not to be rock-solid. The sad part is that this becomes a spiritual disaster for our souls where we're confused. We feel like we don't know what's happening anymore. We maybe mistrust scripture. We maybe get angry at the people around us. We lose faith in who God is and we become separated from the church. But it doesn't have to be that way. I think for many of us in the room and if you're watching online, would fall into one of three boats. You're either in this first boat where you foresee a lot to handle coming up. You foresee hardships coming, you foresee pain coming because you're experiencing some of the symptoms that you've been in before. You know it's coming up, you're not sure what to do, you're getting anxious, you're getting worried. Some of us are in the second boat where we are in the middle of storms. We are in the middle of hardships and in the middle of a stressful season of life where it feels like there is a lot to handle and we can't keep doing this all on our own some of us are in the third boat where we have just gotten out of that stressful season of that storm. And we're grateful that we're not in it anymore, but we feel for those that are still in the hard things to handle. Whether or not you're in one of the three boats, I need you to understand this. Whichever boat that you're in, it matters if you are rowing or if you are sailing your boat. It matters if you are rowing your boat or if you are sailing your boat. Let me explain. When you're rowing your boat, It all depends on you. You start to think that you're in control. You think that you got this. You're like, don't worry, I'm good. We can do this. I can get through this. God will never give me more than I can handle. This is actually gonna be easy. God tells me it's easy. I'm never gonna have pain. But at some point, you start to wear down and it starts to get hard and you can't row anymore and you can't row and it becomes too much to handle. Instead, we need to be sailing our boats. We need to trust and fall into the wind of the Spirit of God and let Him direct us every single part of our day. We need to do this life with God, depending on Him to move us in the right directions, relying on His presence to get us through our day and trusting that His power will work all things together for His good in our life. And we see in Scripture that it intentionally tells us that when we live for God and we try to do this life with God, that He'll be with us. In the book of Psalms, David praises God saying, the Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. And then in James 4, 8, written by the brother of Jesus, James, he writes to persecuted Jewish Christians saying, come near to God and he will come near to you. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it helps you to not forget what Jesus has done for me in this world. He defeated Satan and he triumphed over death. He even says in John sixteen thirty three that in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And because Jesus has overcome the world, this relationship that we pursue with God is possible. Jesus even goes as far to say in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you who have too much to handle, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's a lie to believe that God will never give you more than you can handle. But God promises to never leave us when it feels like we have too much to handle. He'll give us a way out, just like he's given us Jesus, and just like Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. But you have to draw near and come near to God. If you never draw near, you're still trying to row all by yourself. But when you draw near, you get to sail with him in his spirit. Come to God when it's too much to handle because God doesn't want you or me to walk alone in this world. He makes it to where we never have to walk alone in this world because of Jesus, and because of his spirit. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for being with us in this moment. You've been with us as we've woken up today and you've been with us during our whole worship experience. God, you are faithful. You know all the things that we are going through in this world. You know how much that we have to juggle between careers and families and our personal lives. You know how much that we handle the things that are stressful, the things that are overwhelming, even the things that are easy and not that heavy to bear. But God, often we're in one of those three boats. We're about to go into a stressful season, a storm with a lot to handle. We're in a stressful season, we're in a storm, it is a lot to handle, or we've just gotten out of a stressful season. We just got out of the storm and we feel like there's not a whole lot to handle. Remind us that regardless of which boat we're in, that we need to be sailing with you, trusting in your spirit listening to your voice, drawing near to you and doing this life with you because you never leave us. You are faithful. You never want us to walk alone in this world. You want to do this life with us because no matter how much that we have to handle in this world, you give us a way out. You provide for us and you're there with us.